0: Belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for July 24th, 2022 is called Stay Alert. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Vespers Point, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well again, uh, welcome to... Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas, if you're watching on the live feed or if you're listening on the podcast, we're really glad you're here. I remember when we first bought, brought Ladybird, our great Pyrenees mix into our family. Um, she was a rescue dog there on the square in Fayetteville at the Farmer's Market, if you've ever done that. They have this incredibly ingenious marketing of letting you walk the dog around, you know, and then... You fall in love, right? Ladybird is this 100-pound-plus big smush ball of white fur that she left everywhere she went. And when she first came into our house, immediately she was bonded with our kids, and she was bonded with our family, and she found her place. She wanted to be by you. She would often come and just sit on your feet wherever you were sitting down to be close to you. But one thing she didn't like was strangers. It was quickly apparent that in her life before we adopted her, that she had had some very negative encounters, especially with men. And so for the longest time, whenever a, a person that she didn't know a man would enter the house, um, she would cower, she would do, she would pee on the floor just a little bit submissive peeing. I mean, she was not comfortable at all. She was anticipating something negative with that. And it took her a very long time to get over this, but gradually she did. Gradually she came to understand that as we invited people into the house, that they weren't going to harm her, they weren't going to hurt her. And thankfully she got through that stage. But watching it, I was thinking how similarly all of us can become conditioned to expect harm. We can become conditioned to expect threat when we anticipate either certain people or certain situations. And that's not bad. That's not bad. We need to be able to do that. None of us needs to go through the world just blithely expecting that everyone is going to treat us well. It's a natural condition. It can get out of whack, though, y'all. It can get out of whack to where we're anticipating negative things where we shouldn't be, where we're overly vigilant, hyper-vigilant where our nervous systems are continually ratcheted up to a 10 and don't know how to regulate back down with that. And this is particularly dangerous when it comes to our imagination of God, to our theology, of, because it informs our theology. We don't like to admit this, but our emotions inform our theology as much as anything else. Our emotions inform the way we read the Bible and what we take from it, the message that we take from it. In case in point, we're going to look at our scripture um, this morning. So, we've been working our way through Mark. And by the way, this is our last Sunday with the pickles. So, if anybody likes pickles, you can grab this jar and take it home afterwards. So, oh, yeah, the pregnant woman gets it over here. Um, so, Stacy will take the pickles. We use this as an as a image of the baptism. That we talked about when we first started, Mark, the baptizo, that baptism, that Greek word, is not just washing, but it's literally pickling. And how it takes time and how we're transformed from one thing. We're not just a cleaned-off version of our old self. We're actually transformed into a new version of ourselves with that. And so we get to this passage, which is where we're going to put a, we're going to put a bookmark in Mark um, we're going to leave it for a while. We're going to come back to it when we get to Lent and finish the story. But we have this admonition. We have this call that we hit in our text today. And this is in Mark 13, verse 32. This passage, chapter 13, starts with the Jesus, entering, Jesus and his disciples entering into Jerusalem. And the, the disciples are admiring the temple. The temple was an incredible um, architectural and engineering feat of the time. It would have been awe-inspiring for anyone who came, but especially somebody who grew up as a, on the outskirts or in, a, or in a village at the time, to come to Jerusalem and see the temple was truly awe-inspiring. And the disciples were remarking on this, but Jesus had a specific response to them about that. He said, look, don't be impressed. Because even that is going away. And that led to this long discussion of, you know, what was coming and how to be ready and how to be prepared. And it ends with these words. Mark 13, verse 32. But as for that day or hour, no one knows it. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son except the Father. Watch out. Stay alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. He left his house and put his slaves in charge, assigning to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to stay alert. Stay alert then, because you do not know when the owner of the house will return. Whether during the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, what else might he find, or else he might find you asleep when he returns suddenly? What I want to say to everyone is, stay alert. Now, I want to ask you a question. How do you hear this being read? What's the tone in Jesus' voice as you hear this? Like a warning, like stern, maybe. Anything else? Urgent, concerned. Very business-like, very much so, hey, this, this, this. Watch out. Is there anyone who has another opinion? Hears it in a different way. Here's what I want you to consider. We have a collective expectation of punishment of being graded when God comes back. I want to ask you something. Check in with your emotions right now. When you hear these things, is it the same kind of emotions you got when your parents said, hey, I want this room clean by the time I get back? Because if it's not, there's going to be consequences. I mean, is that close? Is that close to what you feel emotionally when you hear this? these words? So hold that, and let's think about this. So Mark 13, this chapter is called A Little Apocalypse. Apocalypse is not a scary word, it just means unveiling. And and the whole book of Mark could be summed up kind of in this term of like, people get ready, get ready, be alert. This chapter is clearly written in the apocalyptic tradition. And the interpretive question that, that theologians have asked throughout time, is Jesus talking about something that's imminent or in the future? Is he talking about the destruction of the temple that was going to happen in about 30 years after his death and resurrection and ascension? Or is he talking about something that is yet to come? Well, like most biblical, good biblical exegesis, the answer is actually both. The imminent we saw, he was, he was correct in his prophetic decree that the temple was going to be destroyed that happened historically we know it so that part took care of itself then the question remains well if it's both and then what about the and what about for us what should we be anticipating with this and i want to i want to ask, to phrase the question a different way for us I think the big question about this passage is is it a warning which is the popular interpretation the one that most of us here I think share or is it an encouragement So so stick with me on this We have It's so difficult in our context, where Christianity is ubiquitous with power, where Christianity is dominates society, to put ourselves in the place of the original hearers of the good news, who were not in power. They were not the favored ones. They were not the powerful ones. They were not the ones who controlled the levers of politics and education and entertainment and commerce and all those things. No. The gospel was first given to those who were oppressed. They weren't used to performance reviews. We read this and we think this is going to be the big performance review on our career. At the end of our career. That Jesus is going to come in and he's going to either award us a bonus or we're going to get fired. Like we're just, we're conditioned for that, y'all, because of the place we play in society with that. But the gospel is first and foremost good news to those who don't have hope. Who have no hope of ever getting a bonus. No hope of ever getting promoted. No hope of ever making the cut. No hope of ever being on top. They're the last, the lonely, the left out. As uh, Larry Larry Norman, I think it was, used to say. The ratted, the ratted on, the spat upon, and the sat upon. These were the, the, that. And so, do you think, do you think then, if that's who Jesus is talking to, these disciples, that he's going he's to be giving them this stern warning of a performance review to come? Or instead, is it something else? Instead, is it this hope that this is encouragement to hang on? This is encouragement to look hopefully. This is encouragement to risk daring that something better is coming. And I think this is particularly important to us in our news-saturated environment. I heard this term the other day that that news in our society has been aerosolized. You can't escape it. Like when I, you know, when I grew up, you could watch. You had three channels. You could, but it was only thirty minutes a night on TV. You read the newspaper. You might get a news magazine. You might hear a little on the radio, but most of the information out there wasn't news. Now, almost, it seems like it permeates everything. It informs our entertainment, our commerce, everything. Like, we cannot escape the constant overwhelming weight of news. And most of it, y'all, is, is manipulated, is to manipulate our emotions, is to manipulate us to be afraid, is to manipulate us to that something bad is coming, coming. And maybe they have a product they want to sell us that promises that if we buy their product, we'll escape that. There may be a patina of happiness on it, but really it's all based in lack. It's all based in the things that are wrong. Does anybody else feel that? Is it just me? And in a way, like I said, we become... Our systems get hijacked to where we're constantly on high alert. We can never let down. We can never let that down. It robs us of joy. It robs us of hope. It robs us of peace. It destroys relationships. Relationships with others, relationship with ourself, relationship with God. And so usually we respond one of two ways. We respond, we, we respond like birds. We're either ostriches. And we go just stick our head in the sand, right? I'm gonna escape it. I'm not I'm gonna I'm not gonna look at it at all. I'm just gonna nah 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 I'm gonna stick my fingers in the air and not, not listen to it, right? Which, hey, listen, we all need a break. Please do that occasionally. Turn everything off that you can. Get away from it. Or we do the opposite, we become chicken little. We just run around constantly, anxiety, like just constantly, the sky is falling, sky is falling, sky is falling, and we never get out of this loop of just frenzied energy to try to address this fear? The answer is different than this. And one of the things that I loved um, in our teaching team this week, Jennifer mentioned that in this whole chapter, it's like Jesus is giving us a picture of reality. He's saying, look, don't put your hope here. Don't put your hope here. Don't fall for the false prophets. Don't do these things, right? He's saying there's something bigger happened, but it capstone the capstone of it, the summary of it the punchline of it the the payoff of it is this this be ready but be ready for what like we hear this right and we go okay i got to be ready i got to be alert i got to i got to get things ready i got to get the house ready i got to do this ready but but we don't know what we're getting ready for We we kind of instinctively think that if we're not ready, we're going to be punished. We're going to get a bad performance review. We're going to be left out. We're going to be looked over. So we're running around and we're trying to get ready, and we don't know what we don't even know what we're trying to get ready for. We don't even know what we're supposed to we're alert. Jesus is coming back. Okay, I'm looking for Jesus, but what what's he what's she going to expect? What's he going to do? And this is where this is where it comes to us. This is where it comes down to us and what we think about Jesus. So remember what I said. The gospel, the good news of the gospel was primarily, it's intended for all people, all women and men everywhere. But the primary audience were the poor, were the oppressed, were the left out. And and they received it as good news. However they received it, whatever message they got, They received it with joy as good news. And so then I have to ask us today, what are we expecting when Jesus comes back? Are you expecting just to barely make the cut? Like Jeff, boy, it was close. I was I was really worried about you there, son, for a while, but you know what? Um, go around the back and just come in the back door. We'll let you in. Right? Don't tell anybody. But we're just going to go ahead and let you in, right? Is it this reluctant welcome? Is it this, dang it, I guess I got to let Kelly in. I mean, she's she tried her hardest. Bless her heart. I mean, we all know how it really turned out, but we'll let her in. You know, is that, is that what we're expecting? That we'll come up to Jesus and he's going to go, hey, Ashley, like you and I both know what you've been doing when I, when you didn't think I was looking, I'm not going to tell anybody else, but I'm going to let you in, right? Like how wrong that is to think about God. How wrong that is to think about the prevenient, evasive love of God. How warped an imagination that is to think of our Savior reluctantly loving us. The key to how we're going to understand this scripture and every scripture is how we think about God's love for us. Not just intellectually, but emotionally. God doesn't love you reluctantly. God doesn't love you because he has to. God God isn't in the business of being forced to give you affection. No, God willingly chooses that. God chooses to love us. God chooses not just to love us, but to like us, to long for us, to have this great sacrificial affection for us. I was talking with someone the other day, and they said, uh, I don't have a problem with the loving your neighbor part. It's the loving myself part that I have a problem with. And the only answer I have to that is, Jesus wants to love you. Jesus is happy with you. Jesus chooses to love you as he chooses to love all of us. Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, think about these words again. What if instead of it was instead of a stern warning, stay alert, be ready. You don't know when I'm coming back. I might catch you off guard. Don't let me catch you. Right? I mean, I, that may be a Texan thing, but when I was a kid, that <laughs> was a stern warning. Don't let me catch you. What if instead it was, stay alert, y'all. Get ready. Jesus is coming. You don't have to worry about all the threats. Yes, pay attention to them. Yes, be wise. Yes, don't be foolish. But ultimately, it's going to be a good thing when I come back. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be great for you. Don't worry about the the punishment or the things the world is telling you or the threats of the world. Instead, put your hope in me because I love you. And I'm bringing good things back with me. There's a there's a scene. If you haven't seen it, this needs to be one of your top ten movies. Just cue it up on your in your list, your playlist. But uh, much ado about nothing. The 1998 version: Kenneth Brogna, Emma Thomas's Emma Thompson. Right? How many of you have seen it? Denzel Washington. Okay. The first scene is incredible. So the first scene before the the opening credits is someone sends word to the little village of Messina that friends are arriving back from battle victorious, that they're coming into town and there's going to be a party. And all of a sudden there's this flurry of activity. People are working in the vineyards and they're they're making meals. All of a sudden everybody just starts yelling with joy, and they start throwing off their clothes and jumping in the bath and getting ready and putting on new clothes and making food and musicians are tuning up their instruments and everybody is getting ready to welcome their friends into town. You know, I think this is—I think that's reflective of how we should see this. Is that when we hear Jesus is coming, we're like, oh, "Jesus is coming," was it like. Will Ferrell, and elf. I know, I know him. I know him. Like, I think that ought to be our deal. I know him. Jesus, I know him. And get excited. Pull out the best. Throw out the stuff. Because if we believe that God is truly taking care of all of our brokenness, all of the hurt, all of the pain, this is not going to be a performance review. This is going to be a party. This is going to be something we can anticipate with joy. And the only sorrow that's going to come, the only regret that's going to come, is not because we left a load of dishes in the dishwasher, or we you know, forgot to clean out the cat box, or whatever it was. Now the only reluctance, the only disappointment, is that we weren't excited enough. Is that we didn't we didn't prepare what Jesus is saying enough for how good it's going to be. That's going to be the only disappointment. That's going to be the only regret. Is that we didn't we didn't really understand how good a thing this was going to be. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. As followers of Jesus, we should anticipate the further coming of the kingdom with sober hope. Anticipate it with longing as for something good and true and beautiful. Y'all, we need to be freed from, cleansed from, These fear-based, punitive, heavy images of God. Our imagination needs to be cleansed of these things. One of the ways we do that is by practicing hospitality here at Grace. The invitation to belong. We welcome everybody. The anticipation is that as God has loved us freely, we love everyone else freely. And we welcome. We are alert to welcoming others. We are ready to extend hospitality. And through this practice, this helps us become more and more filled with the imagination of who God is. Friends, this whole thing rides upon what we believe about the nature and character of God. About who Jesus is and what Jesus thinks about us. And how Jesus acts towards us. And what Jesus feels towards us. That is demonstrated no more more clearly than this table. Everyone here is welcome at this table. Everyone here is welcome to receive from the sacrificial goodness of God. This is not a begrudging gift. You're not only welcome at this table, you're wanted at this table. You are wanted at this table. So we're going to ask you to come up and take it, and then you'll go back. We won't all take it at once. Just take it as you will. This is also a time we reflect. If there's something that's been said today that's that's stuck with you, write it down. Tell someone else. Don't let it escape as you leave. We all know what's waiting for us out there. Commit to it now. This is also the time we give offering. You can give online. You can give physically in the box. But we do that as an act of our worship, that no one here is without something to give, and everyone here has a need. So we share with that. But most of all, thank you. And come to this table knowing that you're wanted here. Wished for, longed for, and wanted to receive the love of God as we see it in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at GraceChurchMWA.org. Grace and peace.